How is everybody? All right. Those of you in the room, good morning. Awesome. You look great. Good morning. Those of you who are tuning in online, super excited to have you as we get ready for the message. Uh, this is my friend, Nate Lujan, and uh, he is a pastor of a church down in Commerce City. And uh, I've asked him to pray for me as I deliver the word. So would you please stand if you're here in the room and if you're at home, sorry to have you get off the couch. Um, but if you wouldn't mind uh, joining us in prayer as well, uh, uh, as we pray. I feel the call of God this morning. Father, hallelujah. En el nombre de Jesús, mi Dios, aquí estamos reunidos en esta mañana. Queremos, Señor, que tú pongas tu mano poderosa en mi hermano, Señor, y le des palabra en esta mañana. Que tú lo uses y pongas un carbón encendido en sus labios para que este pueblo pueda recibir tu palabra, Señor, que tú has preparado para alimentar nuestra alma. Gracias, mi Dios. Prepáranos para escuchar, Señor, este poderoso servicio. Prepáranos, Señor, para recibir esta preciosa palabra que sin duda alguna vendrá del trono de tu gloria, Señor. Yo espero que esta mañana nos bendigas grandemente y te glorifiques, que hagas sanidad en tu pueblo, que haya, Señor, alguien que salga regocijándose en esta mañana. Queremos, Señor, que pongas tu mano de poder y le des palabra, Señor. Poderosa en esta mañana. Gracias, mi rey. En el nombre de Jesús. En el nombre de Jesús. Gracias. Úsalo, mi Dios. Úsalo, Señor. Aleluya. Gracias, Padre. Aleluya. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You may have a seat. Uh, super excited. Uh, thank you, Pastor Nate, for praying for them for me. And uh, as we open up the, the word of the Lord, if, if you're uh, joining us for the first time in a couple weeks, or maybe this is your first time uh, joining us here in person, or you're watching us online, we're in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, some people will pronounce it Habakkuk. Uh, and so please open up to the book of Habakkuk. It's five books from Malachi in. It's in the Old Testament. If you're new to church, new to uh, the Bible, new to Christianity, it's in the first part of the Bible, first section there. Uh, and we'll give you some time to find that. We titled this Habakkuk, I Don't Understand. And the reason uh, we titled it that way to catch you up to speed uh, is because if you read the book of Habakkuk, there's some incredibly awful things going on throughout the land. There is uh, children being sacrificed. There is uh, political figures being bought off. There, there are corrupt judges. There, uh, every politician is out for their own good. Uh, they're not looking to serve the people, but to serve themselves. And even the priests in the church, would, which ought to be above and beyond those things, they're being pulled into the corruption, and their eyes are being pulled away from the things that they ought to be focused on. And, and Habakkuk approaches God with a prayer and says, hey, I'm your prophet. I'm supposed to speak to your people, but what I'm seeing in the land doesn't make sense. What I know about you, you're all good, you're all powerful, you're all knowing. That doesn't jive with what I'm seeing in the land around me. Something doesn't make sense here. Will you do something about what we're seeing. And God says, absolutely, I'll do something. And he gives his answer to Habakkuk, and it's not a good answer. Uh, it's an answer that makes Habakkuk complain even more, where Habakkuk says, hold on, I've heard what you've said. I don't like it. I, I don't like where you're going with this. I don't like your solution to the problem. 
Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there with, with your family or with your marriage or with your health or with your job or with your finances where you go before God and say, hey, I'm in a real pickle. This is not working out. Evil is surrounding me. It seems like we're going down with the ship. And God says, okay, I'm going to do something. And, and it almost seems like it gets worse. That's a hard, that's a hard place to be in faith. Let's just be honest about that. You pray harder, you read your Bible more, you do everything that you should be doing, almost by the textbook, and yet it doesn't seem to be working. And so maybe you've been there where you've cried out to God, I don't get it. If that's you, you have a friend in Habakkuk. Not only God, you certainly have a friend in God, he understands you, but you have a close friend in Habakkuk. Because the anguish that we read in the book of Habakkuk for this man is almost hard to comprehend the things that he's seen. And yet, there are some incredible aspects of this story that we learn to apply to our own lives to our own personal life, but also to the world around us, the things that we, we see. And so we've covered several things. We, we pray. When we don't understand what God's doing or why he's not doing something, we pray. That's what we do. It's difficult because it's not just a quick prayer before dinner. It's not just a quick prayer before you go on a roller coaster. It's prayer. It's spending time with the Father pouring out your heart, and then we listen. We listen, and we listen, and we listen. And friends, one of the most difficult things we do is when we listen, we don't hear. And as we learned last week, just because we don't hear does not mean God's not speaking. And just because God's not acting the way that we want him to doesn't mean he doesn't care and isn't doing something. We document. Why do we document, especially in our Bibles? Because we want to recall the things that God told us. You might sit through a sermon series. You might uh, go through a difficult season of life. You might go through a joyful season of life to document that captures it. So that, A, you can remember it, but also so that you can give it to someone else. You can give that hope. You can give that peace that God gave to you. You can pass it on. The scriptures talk about that. And we wait. We talked about this last week. We wait. And we don't like to wait. We don't mind waiting a little bit. But every wait runs its course. But often in the Bible, there's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting on God. This morning, we are reminded that there's also another key component when we don't understand what God is doing. When we, when we don't understand the things that he says or that he does or, or the things that he doesn't say or the things that he does not do, it's both action and inaction. It's certainly that we talk to him, we cry out to him, we shout to him, we complain to him, we raise our fists to him, we cry before him. We do all of those things. But as we touched on last Sunday and what we're going to focus on this morning is we're told to be silent before him. Waiting's hard. Being silent is even more difficult. 
The, the scriptures are clear about this. If you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalms and Proverbs and 1 Kings and Habakkuk. We're going to be in Micah. We're going to be all over the place this morning. I don't expect you to follow along with every one of them. Most will be on the screen or on your television set. Um, but Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. Most of you who have been around the church know some of this. Be still, what? And know that I am God. Does, he doesn't say just be still doesn't say just be silent, practice being quiet, close your mouth. No, no, no. It's be still and in the process of being still, know in the depths of your heart that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that this is coming. That's good news for us today when we turn on the news. God is going to get his. He is going to receive his praise. He's going to receive his glory. He is going to receive his honor. And the rocks will cry out in praise to him. We are told to be quiet. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, our focus this morning. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all of the earth be what? Let's try this again. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all of the earth be silent before him. Let all of the earth not mankind, not Democrats, not Republicans, not athletes, not obnoxious people, not smart people. Let all of the earth be silent before him. What we're going to unpack this morning is what does that mean? Because it is so much more than being quiet. That's what we first go to. But it is so much deeper than that. So when you don't understand what God is doing, I am going to give you three very specific things to focus on in your silence of what God says and what he does. In the book of 1 Kings, uh, think of Elijah for just a moment. Within hours of enjoying his greatest triumph, you can read the story in 1 Kings 19, in, in his greatest triumph, the prophet Elijah is, ex is experiencing his most overwhelming defeat. He prayed and fire came down from heaven. He commanded the prophets and the priests of Baal and they were killed. He prayed again and torrential rains ended a three and one half year drought. That is a long time not to have rain. And then an evil queen's threats cause him to go into hiding, completely discouraged, completely afraid, completely confused, and certainly disheartened. He loves his God, but what is going on? And in confusion and in hiding in a mountain cave, Elijah wanted and waited to hear God speak. Again, wait. He waited and waited and waited to hear his God speak to him. And before God spoke, Elijah experienced a wind so violent that it shattered rocks. When the wind was done, it was followed by an earthquake that threatened to destroy the place where he was even hiding. The earthquake finishes, and then it was followed by a raging fire. Notice, he prayed. And things got significantly worse. If Almighty God was speaking, it makes sense, doesn't it then? To see him or, or to hear him in those things. 
in the wind, in the, in the fire, in the earthquake. It, it would make sense when something significant is happening to go, oh, I hear you in this, Lord, but the Lord wasn't in that. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12, the Lord was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. After the fire, there was this still, small, gentle whisper. And Elijah heard it, and that was the Lord. And Elijah heard, but he, because he was quiet enough to listen. He was quiet enough to focus. And you see, often we miss God's voice because we haven't made adjustments to our lives to hear from him. I, I do this with my three boys. Sandy's home watching with them right now. Hopefully you guys are behaving. But it'll just be sheer chaos in our house. I mean, things swinging from the fan. And f I noticed we have somehow spaghetti sauce on our kitchen ceiling uh, the other day. And I thought, well, we don't even have a table there. How do we have spaghetti sauce there? And, and it'll just be chaos. And one will be saying something. I'll go, I can't hear you in the midst of this. You either have to come and get me or you got to rise above all the noise so that I can hear. Or as a better dad, I could go to him. And thankfully, God does that. He comes to us in the midst of our chaos, but he does ask us to participate in that waiting and listening. We talk too much. It's been said, the mouth is overworked with good food going in and words coming out. Got exhausting mouths. The mouth keeps us busy all of our waking hours. Judy Hansen reminds me, sitting right here, God gave us two ears and one mouth because listening is far more important than speaking. All right, thank you. I told Judy, I'm like, hey, listen, I've been waiting for an amen pastor, preach it pastor, continue. I'm like, this is your moment. And she's like, I can't do it. So thank you for the family joining her and encouraging that. Bonnie, thank you for the support. God gave us two ears and one mouth. Thank you, Nate. In Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it seems like the world is cracking. Even when you have more questions than answers. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And much like waiting, we're not comfortable with silence. I thought about as I was writing uh, the sermon, I thought about just getting to this point and just sitting down for like five minutes. Some of you would be crawling out of your skin. Like, this is super awkward. Say something, do something, or I'm leaving, right? We don't like silence. Yes, Nate. If, if you talk to someone and there's a lull in the conversation because either you don't know them very well or you ran out of things to say, that's super awkward. If you're talking to someone on the phone and it's like, well, time to wrap this up. Like, we don't have anything else to talk about. 
That is why we are called to focus on silence. But what does it mean to be silent before the Lord? Because that's not a clear-cut thing throughout Scripture. So what does that mean for us? And we can identify a number of things, but like I said, we're going to look at just three points this morning to look at what does it mean to be silent. First of all, it means reverence. We don't use that word too much in our culture today, we should, but, but we don't. But it means reverence. And reverence in the scripture means an awesome or respectful silence. Notice, notice it's not just be quiet. It's be, it's be quiet in a respectful, awesome silence. That's very different than if you go to the library. And you, and you got the librarian constantly going, shh, shh. Shh. If I have to tell you one more time, you're, you're, you're going to be kicked out. That's different. That's a different kind of silence. When it comes to a life of worship, and that's what we're called to as followers of Jesus, that reverence is to be found in an outward appearance, but also to be paralleled and manifest itself in the heart, and that comes out as we worship. Meaning, we're not supposed to be silent in worship, but our hearts are to be in a state of silent worship. Does that make sense a little bit? That's different. So you could crank your worship music, as Sandy and I like to do at home. You can crank your worship music all throughout the house and still be in an attitude of silent submission of reverence. The psalmist tells us about his worship. He says in Psalm 95, 6, Come, let us worship and let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Outwardly, the psalmist is coming before the Lord with reverence. He's showing the right kind of silence when he worships God. This is reverence. This, this life of, of, of worshipful silence that we're talking about is not just found in the outward appearance. That would be somewhat easy because all of you are remaining somewhat quiet right now. You're staying silent. That's fairly easy on the outward. But I promise you, knowing humanity, whether you're here or at home and watching, there are some of you, your hearts are not silent. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about your future. You're worried about your retirement. You're worried about the country. You're worried about the virus. You're worried about how is all this going to end? And, and I will say this in a, in a mighty way, rightfully so for a lot of you. But what do you do with it? What do you do with that heart that isn't silent? You pray, and you pray a lot. This is the life of Habakkuk. This is exactly what he does. You see, the Lord never goes for just an outward show. Thank goodness. God's not interested in what we see. He's not interested in how loud you sing or how high your hands are raised or if you kneel down or, or if you deliver food. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in why you're doing those things. He's interested in the conviction here. 
Because we can fool the outside, we can't fool the heart. And what does the Bible say that God looks at? The heart. It's awfully hard to fool God with our hearts. And this means an attitude of complete submission. In every area of life, you show me a man who submits before the throne of God and I will show you a real man. You show me a tough guy that's got life all figured out, that runs his own finances, makes his own decisions, uh, uh, develops his own morals, his own ethics, decides what is right, and I will show you a weak man. We don't understand, we submit, and we fall before him in quiet submission. Uh, Think of it from Micah. Micah asks in his book, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? In other words, I'm gonna gonna come, you you guys do this, right? Someone invites you to dinner, you go, hey, what can we bring? This is Micah, but God invites Micah to worship. Micah goes, hey, what can I bring? God says, salad, no. He says, what can you bring? Here's his answer in Micah 6, 8. Here's how you're going to worship. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What what do you need to bring as you come in your life before a, a place of worship? He has shown you. Act justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. You can't do those things without silence. You can't do those things without pause. And so the psalmist asks the same question as Micah. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? In other words, who can go to church? In COVID, we're asking that. Who who gets to go to church? How many people get to go to church? Who can dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? And his answer is in Psalm 15, uh, chapter 15, verses 2 through 3. He whose walk is blameless and on who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, and get this, has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man. In other words, if you've got your tongue under control, you can come before me. How many of you want that like as your bar? Have your act together, have absolutely no slander in your heart and nothing on your tongue, and then come before me. Woo! That's not easy. In other words, when we worship God, this life of worship, we need an attitude of quiet and humble submission, especially when we don't understand what God is doing. You see, what we tend to do when we don't understand what God is doing, we tend to do more. We try and fix it. We have conversations. We have meetings. We try and do something. And it's the direct opposite of what the scripture tells us. Scripture tells us when you're in trouble, stop and be silent. Second thing is that silence means to build in an element of a listening spirit in your soul. It's good to be silent. It's good to wait. It's good to pray. But developing that muscle of a listening spirit, that's not easy. That's something that needs to be developed over time to tune your heart to hear his praise. 
it's something that has to grow. Like Elijah, we cannot just listen to the Lord. We cannot just hear the Lord unless we're silent. The heart. It doesn't mean that you take a sabbatical. Uh, it doesn't mean that you quit your job. It doesn't mean you drop out of school. It, it doesn't mean that you become a hermit and just stay in your room so that you can hear what the Lord has to say. No, no, no. That's not a reality for most people. It does mean that you begin to walk day in and day out in an attitude of silent submission. And in that, God speaks. But that's not our culture. It just, it just isn't. Let's be honest about this. Our society usually does not prefer silence. We resist it. With a filibuster, a congressman can, or a congressperson can block a bill's passage with the endless sound of his voice. Who was it uh, not too long ago? I think it was Ted Cruz who read a bunch of, uh, what did he read? Um, Cat in the Hat? Dr. Seuss. We just read a bunch of Dr. Seuss just to fill time because the filibuster. Just goofy. We are such a weird nation. Radio and TV hosts score the highest points. Whoever yells the loudest, whoever makes the biggest mockery, whoever can make the biggest sarcasm, whoever's loudest, their, their ratings are through the roof. Both sides. The most successful media types are not the ones with the best insights. In fact, nowadays you turn on the news and all you hear is opinion. But it's the loudest. The most successful rock groups turn the music louder. Jamie, hit the drums louder. And we think that's success. But Christians, Christ followers recognize the value of peace and quiet. I don't mean with a glass of lemonade in a hammock. We're not talking about that kind of peace and quiet. We're talking about King Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and silence before the Lord. That's our call. And we know, like Elijah, we cannot listen to the Lord unless we're silent. Listen to this. Scientists report that noise has a definite effect on our working efficiency. Did you know that? That the louder it is, the less efficient you are. Noise increases our pulse. It, it quickens our blood pressure and upsets the normal rhythms of our heart. It's certainly not to the point, most of the time, where we drop dead. Please don't do that during worship if it's too loud. But that's what happens to the body. The pulse picks up, the blood pressure picks up, and the rhythm of the heart is thrown off with loud noise. Noise has just as bad of effect on the spiritual life as well. There's a direct correlation here. So when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about you growing in faith, this is critically important because the person who is surrounded with noise cannot hear the voice of God. It's impossible for those who are always noisy, always moving, always on the go to hear the soft, faint voice whisper of the God of all creation. Now, can he shout? He absolutely can. My experience is often when he shouts, something goes wrong to get my attention. And I realized he was trying several other ways. 
He was trying to speak to me. He was trying to get my attention in, in the non-harming ways. But in order to get my attention, sometimes we as human beings, we as Christ followers, need to be grabbed by the scruff of our neck. He will do that if need be. But what we see in Scripture, the way he operates, is a soft, quiet voice. And we cannot hear that unless we are make, willing to make adjustments to our everyday lives. This is why God says, be still and know that I am God. You see, what's interesting about this verse, it's a play here. Because it's a command, but it's also a reward. Be still and know that I am God. That's the command. Be still and you will know that I am God is the reward. You see, often the most difficult things are the easiest things. And the, and the easiest things are the most difficult things. If you're quiet and you're still, you will know that I am God. Ed built a bench for us. We've got a, a few pine trees out here that face our quadrillion million dollar views. I don't even know if that's a number. Anyway, we've got great views. And Ed would come up here uh, for a couple hours uh, just to be alone and, and look at the mountains. And I apparently got tired of sitting in his truck, so made us a bench so he could get out and sit on the bench. Amen, right? <laughs> Hopefully we can uh, convince him to make more. Um, I used to take a white folding chair out there for my time. I'm super glad I don't have to do that anymore. I have a bench. My life is no good if I'm busy all the time. I'm not a good person. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good friend. When I am constantly on the go, constantly busy, constantly loud, I'm not a good person. And so I need those times of pause. Be still, Brian, and you will know that I am God. Respecting silence does not mean we should never talk or shout or complain or bring problems before God. In fact, the Bible encourages us to do those things. But there are times in a believer's life when silence is golden. Third, final thing. What is biblical silence? It means meditation. We don't do this one very good either. Maybe if you, um, what is it where you stretch? Yoga. It, you can tell I don't do it. Uh, maybe if you do yoga, I, I've heard they put on some yoga music that helps you kind of meditate and, and think. M maybe you, you do that. Um, I, I like to think every morning when I have my first few sips of coffee, that's my meditation. Um, kidding aside, but we don't meditate. We, we really don't. Most of us. But we need quiet moments with God. All week I've been practicing this. And let me just tell you, if I were to give you a grade for me, I might be nice here, but probably like a C minus, maybe a, maybe a solid C, but not a C plus or a B. Because I, I, I try to have some alone time with God where I just sit and I listen and maybe you've been there before where you're quiet, your eyes are closed, you're listening, you're thinking about God, and then one eye opens, and you kind of look around, and then back, back to it. 
And then I start thinking about pizza and, and the football playoffs and, and my kids' school, and then boom, back, back on God. That's my ADD. It, it, it certainly kicks in. But we need quiet moments with God when we shut out the noise of the world. We need those. In a, in a busy and noisy and often, not always, but often pretty negative world, we need to seize every opportunity that we possibly can to be quiet before the Lord. One of the ways that I've tried to practice this is I love talk radio, sports radio, political radio. I love it, I love it, I love it. And I've been turning everything off and just driving silently. It's killing me. I started off bored out of my mind, like just wanted to scratch at the windshield. And now I'm starting to love it. And guess what? I'm starting to hear God speak to me more. It's not coming easy. But at, at, whether you're at home or at work, in joy, in sorrow, in questions and answer, close your door, just be alone with him. Just, just for a few moments. Unfortunately, I've discovered that many Christ followers have given up this idea of a quiet time, a, a devotional time, a, a time set aside every day for God. We make our appointments, we make our deadlines, we will fight to the death to get things turned into our employer, but quiet time with God, that's optional. And I just want to say this to you. It's going to come across pretty judgmental, preface. But I'm in it with you. If your time with God is flippant, so is your heart with him. Receive that. But receive it in love because it doesn't have to stay there. But if you just fit God in whenever you either feel like it or remember to do it or finally have the conviction to do it, something's not right with your relationship with God. You need to evaluate that. And all of us do. All of us are in that same boat where we have to do some evaluation, make some tweaks along the way. All of us are in that boat. Part of the reason is, is we allow ourselves to be too busy with a lot of really good things we allow ourselves to be distracted or we're generally not interested. Leadership writer Thomas Merton puts it this way. He says, those who love God should attempt to preserve or create an atmosphere in which he can be found. Christians should have quiet homes. Guilty. Uh, mine is not quiet. Throw out the television if necessary. Not everybody, but those who take this sort of thing seriously. Now, I'm not advocating throwing your TV out, especially today. Some pretty good football games today. Uh, I'm not saying, but you can turn it off. You can turn your radio off. You can not watch the news this week. Newsflash, you're going to survive if you don't watch news this week. You will live. You'll live if you miss your show. We live in the best time on the planet in regards to TV and movies. Because it used to be, if you missed it, if the show was showing at 7, and you weren't in front of your TV at 7, you're done. Like, they're not going to show that again until next year. Think of, like, Frosty the Snowman. Like, that was once a year. Now you can watch Frosty year-round. 
You can DVR it. You, you can DVR it. You can work the TV to your schedule, but we don't. We allow it to be the other way around. And then we wonder, why am I not hearing God? Friends, we need to have times of meditation and silence. We, we must have these things, especially, th this is so important all the time, but it's especially important when we don't understand, we do not understand, we do not understand what God is doing, why he's doing it, or why he's not doing something. This is the book of Habakkuk. You ever wonder, I, so I look this up, sometimes I have ridiculous thoughts that go through my mind, uh, and I've wondered, you ever watch a pigeon walk? No? Anybody curious about? Yeah, pigeons are like interesting creatures. But if you watch a pigeon walk, it's almost like they were dropped as a child. They, something's not right. Well, so I did some research on this. The, the reality is a pigeon can't walk and focus at the same time. Some of you are like that. You can't walk and chew gum. You, you can't rub your stomach and tap your head. Don't try now. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can go ahead and try. According to an article out of the Detroit Free Press, you can look it up if you'd like, a pigeon will bring its head up every time it stops so that it can focus on where it's going. And then the head will go down and it will keep walking. And then it will stop, pick its head up, look around, and keep going. It looks something similar to this. So a pigeon walks. The head comes up. It looks around. It focuses. The head goes back down. And it walks. That's why they look a little different. But they have to in order to focus. They cannot do the same thing. And friends, as funny as that is, and as goofy as it is, and as much as you will never look at a pigeon the same again, that's the same way for us. In our spiritual walk with the Lord, we have that same problem. We have a hard time seeing where we're going. We have a hard time understanding where we're going. We have to build in times to stop and look around and focus. Because life doesn't seem clear if all we're doing is moving. See, all that you learned about pigeons and God all in one morning. It's seriously, it's pretty amazing. Focus on the world and the will of God. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The holy temple that our text speaks of has two meanings. And we'll close with this. The, the first one is it's the church. That's us. The Lord is in the church. His bride. It makes his heart sing. It makes his heart leap. It fills him with joy and happiness and excitement. Yes, knowing everything there is to know about us, he still loves this, his church. It's the place where he dwells, here and now. Do you know that the Lord is here? Do you know that the, the Lord, God of all creation, is sitting and standing right next to you? 
you are not alone. You're not alone in your joys. You're not alone in your tears. You're not alone in your worship. The Lord is here. And that means this is holy ground. That makes this an ordinary steel building at 225 Majestic View Drive holy grounds. Moses knew what that meant when he, when he noticed uh, the bush burning. He knew it was the Lord and removed his shoes, an act of reverence, and was silent before the bush. We often forget this. We, we forget when we come to church and we've, we've, we've come to meet with God. That must be something that we maintain as our focus. You come here to meet with God. Everything else is icing. As much as I enjoy the hugs, we don't hug. As much as I enjoy the hugs, the fist bumps, the hellos, I'm the worst, I get it. I love all that. I love seeing you people. But we are here to meet with God. Some people come to be entertained. Some people come to criticize. Some people come to check off a box. Some come to, to have their needs met. Some come out of habit. But first and foremost, we must come to meet with God. We are the church, and this is where he dwells. Us, not the building, us, where two or three are gathered. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And finally, the holy temple that our text speaks of this morning in Habakkuk 2.20. It also speaks of heaven. I can't even fathom what heaven is going to be like. But I know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. I know that my grandparents are there. I know that friends and family that have passed on are there worship before the King of Kings. I, I can't even, I don't have enough creative juices in my mind to picture heaven. We come this morning, we come into the presence of the Almighty God. And before this God, we can only have an awesome, reverent silence. That's our call. That's our task. That's what we've been called to. And yes, you might come kicking. You might come screaming. You might come with tears pouring down your face because of the pain that you feel in your heart. And God says, bring all of that before me in silence. We didn't even go into this, but the Bible says as you do that, he will give you rest. I don't know about you, but this last year has been exhausting. I'm tired of thinking. I'm tired of feeling. I'm tired of making decisions. Uh, I'm tired of trying to figure out online seventh grade math. I feel like an idiot. 
I barely got through my own seventh grade math and now I'm responsible for two seventh graders. Like, I didn't even interview for the job. But when we do this, we come before the almighty God. Listen to this. By one word of his mouth, he can change the plans of nations and kings. By one breath of his mouth, he can waste cities and armies, no matter how big and powerful that they are. By one single thought, he can put an end to all the rebellion and sin of mankind. And before his greatness, that is who we approach in an attitude of silence. Before such greatness, we can only bring reverent submission, a listening spirit, and a meditative heart. The Lord is in heaven. He is ruling with power and authority. And this means it's his kingdom. It's his power. It's his glory. This means he and, and his will is in charge. It means that his will is and always will be fighting for you to bring about good. And anything that's good in this world comes from the hand of God. This means that he understands your pains and your sorrows. He understands your joys. He understands your confusion. He understands your complaints. He understands the point where you're about to break. He knows it. He gets it. He understands it. This means he is the eternal one. This means when you don't understand what's going on as Habakkuk did, you know the one who does. And you're not just friends, you're family. This means he is the almighty. This means that he is a God of justice and might. This means that he knows all things and sees all things. This means he is the fount of wisdom and ultimate truth, not to be defined by culture, not to be defined by this world. He defines it because he is it. He is the Lord. He is the God who loves us in Jesus Christ. And this means we trust. When everything in us wants to run away, when everything in us wants to give up, we trust. He is worthy. Worthy to receive all honor, all praise, all glory, all worship. He is worthy all devotion, all surrender, all submission, all silence, all thoughts, all decisions, all spending, all use of our time. He's worthy of it. So friends, when we don't understand, and if you've not been there, I promise you, you will. When you don't understand, what in the world are you doing, God? Remember, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Allow me to pray for you. God, my friends that are in this room, my friends and family all over the nation who are tuning in, you know their hearts, you, you, you know their struggles, you know their pains, you know their confusion. You know where their heart is breaking, even right now as I am praying, their hearts are broken. And the weight often seems too heavy to carry. It's too much. 
We might even look to the heavens and shout with our hands, this is too much, God. And I'm grateful that Jesus, just like God met you in the Garden of Gethsemane when you said the same thing, this is too much. If there's any other way, let's go that route. And yet you gave him peace. And things didn't get better from a world standpoint. But they did from your angle. And so God, for my friends in living rooms, in offices, in family rooms, in kitchens, for my friends and family here in this room, my prayer is that you would meet them right here and right now and grant favor in the form of peace. Even when we don't understand. And allow that, the peace, not the changing of our circumstances, but that peace stir in our hearts a heart of worship that is silent before you. That's our prayer. So as we come to you now and, and lift our voices, lift our hands before you, we recognize you're still in the business of rescuing. You're, you're still in the business of, of resurrecting hearts to yourself. You're still in the business of saving. So we give you great praise for that. Please come and do your work, which only you can do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand wherever you're at, at home here, and let's continue in a heart of worship.